0: program is called something for the weekend it has been created and produced by Dave Clark it is a how production for sound art radio right just a slurp of the old coffee hmm that is good. I have to say, we um got a new coffee machine the other day and it works rather well. 15 bars of pressure. Hmm. excellent. It's actually better than any other coffee you can buy. I can guarantee that. Probably because I don't put so much milk in it. I find the amount of milk that people consume these days is just incredible. So, well, you can probably guess. I've just opened the door. Let's... Just- the sound of a train rattling down the old track that uh, Isambard laid many years ago, and uh, so it's a beautiful day, and gosh, it's a, it's a it's a cracker. So not a cloud in the sky, totally blue sky. A uh, bit of a haze across the valley. So uh, quite appropriate, really, because um, today we're going to meet. Uh, someone who's called Julian Summer Hayes. So uh, maybe that's uh, the reason why it's such a nice morning. So actually, I'm walking across now to uh, to uh, get my bike, my bicycle, because um, Julian is a keen cyclist. So uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna cycle over to uh, to meet him at Dartington. So it's going to be a case of. Denim meets Lycra. Actually, I don't think Julian's going to be lycra up because we're just going to take a little stroll around the estate. Um, but I thought I'd cycle over there just to sort of get into the spirit of it because we're going to... We're going to hear... Oh, my bike's so buried deep. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit from Julian about uh, integrative law. Um, I mean, he's a lawyer and he's really interested in this integrative law. So we're gonna hear a little bit about that. Um, but we're also gonna hear about Julian's, uh, you know, what he does at the weekend, which is very often cycling. So it uh, should be very interesting. So I'm, I'm not gonna even second guess uh, what integrative l- law is. I can't even say it, let alone guess it. And, um, but it should be quite uh, interesting to find out. So I've got to dig this bike out. It's gonna take at least half an hour by Thing, things. So I'm gonna be late again. Right, well, that actually wasn't too bad, so managed to get the bike out. So let's get this bike on the road. Now, then, uh, what? Hmm, Sounds suspiciously like a car door. Can't be, because I'm going to cycle, aren't I? Yes, I am. Right, well in actual fact, I'm only, I'm only half cheating because I'm um, just being polite him because we all, know that it's, oh, we all know that it's rude to be late. So uh, I was running a little short of time. I think I hadn't really left myself enough time to dig the old bike out of the shed, pump up the tires. Anyway, we're, we're on the bike, well I'm on the bike. What a magnificent setting Dartington is. We're very lucky to have it on our doorstep so how are you doing good to see you. what do you reckon about what do you reckon about hey, this
1: look at that old oh, Carlton mate 531 yeah five, see. Three, one. classic
0: <sighs> yeah
1: my uh, grandfather had one uh it was Carlton 531 actually I, yeah only got I used to do quite a lot of time trialing, so that would be uh, anywhere between 10 to 50 miles on a time trial. But what am I nearly 50 now? Um, I mean, time trialing, in theory, you should get better as you get older, but you still need to put in quite a lot of hours. So it's a time commitment thing with me. That's, uh, I don't, I just don't have the time to train for the number of hours and number of miles of time trial. So I just ride really for pleasure now. I mean, I started um, my daughter off, my little daughter Hetty and uh you know i managed to keep up with her for about the first year of her cycling and then i realized that you know the old man's heart was maxing out at about 165 170 whereas hers was going at 200 and something yeah you couldn't quite understand why the old man wasn't keeping up so it's really just a, a pleasure thing really and you're know, living in devon i think you know, you've got to like hills down here um you know i've ridden in different parts of the world and my brother lives in oxford and you go to oxford and two hours on the road up there and i'm bored stiff My interest in a more spiritual approach, and I use that word to quite a bit, to, to work really has been there for quite a long time because I've always had this idea that. People are amazing, they're gifted, and businesses don't ever make the most of their people. They, you know, they they, find a round peg for a round hole, and they're quite happy to leave the round peg in the round hole, whereas I always thought, not to challenge people who didn't want to be challenged, but to try to develop people to their maximum ability. That's always been my thing. And as lawyers, You know, we tend, we have become transactional. It doesn't really matter what you do. There's point A, point B, point C, and that's it. And what happens is that the person in all of that gets left behind. And there's been a huge amount of work done in America around the effect on lawyers psychologically and what that does to them. And really, from about five or seven years into the job, a lot of them are going to be very susceptible to mental health issues. And that's work has also carried on into New Zealand, Australia. So it's a known fact that if you practice as traditional lawyers, you are putting yourself in the firing line to have you know, episodes of depression, mental health. And I'm not saying this is as a generalism, but a lot of lawyers are sort of two people. You know, there's one person in work and then there's somebody else outside. And a lot of people find that they resort to doing lots of things they wouldn't otherwise do. I'm pretty sure of that, whether it's drinking or you know just an escape, a means of escape you know so the integrative law movement in the u.s has probably been going for 20 years and it's a way of connecting people much more with who they are and the work they do and i think it's challenging for, for a lot of lawyers because they've only ever known one way of doing it so so what i'm trying to do is to highlight that as an issue and then start to ask lawyers some fairly difficult questions a lot of them is what do you actually want to do what sort of work do you really want to do both the alps and the pyrenees and whereas obviously there you've got a i don't know anywhere between a 14 to 40 kilometer hill yeah very rarely do you get the steepness you get in devon right Um, right so if you go up uh to holm chase for instance and i don't know if you've ever gone up past the hotel there's that hill there right which isn't very long but you try riding it's probably I don't know it's 25 percent 28 percent hill whereas an average hill on the tour de france say 11 percent right okay it's a lot longer yeah so i think you know you've got to you've got to be quite strong because okay going up at once that's okay isn't it but then you've got to go down the other side and go up another hill sure so sure a lot of a lot of good cyclists have come out of devon so yeah, um, right. my friend of mine who i've known for a long time is a guy called colin lewis so Colin is president of the local uh, club mid Devon and he his claim to fame was that he was on the same team as the late Tommy Simpson who died in Mont 2, rode in the Peugeot team and he retired when he was 29 but I mean his training was all done here you know for, right you know um, and there have been other cyclists Jeremy Hunt, Yanto Barker, John Tin and Locke all these people come out of Devon. Yeah. I'm not saying there's not other parts of the country that produce them, but for a small county, yeah. proportionally that's quite a lot of Tour de France yeah, yeah, yeah. riders. Uh, in the UK it's very, very early days, so um, there is a charity yes. in the UK called Law Care and their principal focus is around mental health and mental well-being. And I've spoken to the chief exec um, of the charity, and she hasn't yet appreciated its full impact, I think, on the profession. So in other words, things like programmes that are wheeled out into universities uh, is where I think a lot of this should start. In other words, a different conversation about what is, what is the role of a lawyer in society. Because I mean, law informs everything we do, whether we like it or not. You know, it's the DNA, it's the fabric of, of the world that we know. Right. I mean, you, it's not just about rules, it's about how those rules are applied. Yeah. And you know, the conversation that needs to be had is right back at the beginning, almost in school, I suspect, with, with kids, saying, you know, what do you see the role of law as being? And then if, you're, if you want to go, go into that world of work, what do you see your role as, as part of that? Because the the problem is with public funding having nigh on disappeared and it being left to a very restricted number of areas, you know the the, the sort of the, the, the social conscience parts of lawyers and apart from doing pro bono work and not many firms do that has has pretty much gone. You know everybody's under the caution of targets and fees and everything else. So even in the old days with the old school, what I describe as old school partners, they would have a group of people that they probably wouldn't charge a proper rate for, or they were doing it as. You know, yeah. but all that's gone. So it's just become like any other business. I think it's a, it's a great way of staying fit. It's a non-impact sport. I mean, I've done lots of sport over my lifetime, um, whether it's golf, racket sports, um, karate but you know the fact with cycling is you can keep going a lot longer and even if you don't you know you've got to have the odd hip replaced or whatever it's still a sport that allows you to do that okay you might have to change the gearing on the bike so I, I think it's one of those sports because I like sport generally um, you can, I see myself carrying on practically until the bitter end you know it's <laughs> yeah. I like to get out I like to see where I live and I think that's the thing whether it's 10 miles or 50 miles you you can cover quite a lot of ground as well. You know, and you get to see places that otherwise maybe you wouldn't see, or...
0: What is it in a nutshell? Is it about the it's lawyer,
1: or is it about the lawyer, the way the lawyer does law? It's both, I think. I think it's it's um, it's a challenge for lawyers to reconnect with who they really are. I think fundamentally for me, um the link is who are you because that's been lost in a lot of this and i I mean people may raise their eyebrows and think what the hell does that mean but ultimately as i said before there's there's two people here you know um and what i'm trying to get people to do is to say what is it that really floats your boat because as, as somebody who has changed Um, the way I practice but has also done work that I really, really enjoy. I'm not saying I've not done my share of work that I've just had to get through. I know that it's made a significant difference to me um, uh, because it's felt connected, it's felt quite purposeful about it. Whereas I think, I'm trying not to generalise here David, but I think a lot of people just turn up to work and go through the motions.
0: just thinking, you know, riding a bike is a, it's a weird thing because it's just like riding a bike. That's what people say. Because the funny thing is, sort of, some kind of magic happens. You know, we all remember when you were a kid, the, the hand of somebody on your back steadying you as you wobble around and crash, thinking how impossible and implausible it is to balance on two thin wheels. And then the magic, where over a split second the world of impossibility becomes equilibrium and balance and exhilaration. As you realize somehow through some magic you've cracked it and it's stranger than that because once you've cracked it you remember it for life it is like riding a bike you don't sort of forget you don't unlearn it and i can't think of very many other things in life that are like that really i suppose There are when you think about it, but there's something there is something a bit magical about defeating the impossible. And that's that's something that I think everyone on the planet who rides a bike, and let's not forget, there are a few million of those. I reckon I reckon we all share that in common. Um, you know, law. What as a as a customer, what difference would I see in the way that I sort of interact with the with the law firm?
1: I think I think you see the real person, and I mean, you know, there is this issue as to a bit like doctors, isn't it, as to whether, in fact, you should bring your own self into the into the role of lawyer. There'll be some lawyers who say absolutely not. Yeah, you know, there needs to be a distance between me and the client, but ultimately, I think clients will value an authentic piece of advice rather than something that's just done by the letter of the law you know the classic question clients will ask you is well what do you think and if you just hide behind the lawyer mask and you say well this is what the law says and they'll say yeah I know that but what do you think and so if you can't bring your full self to that who the hell is advising then is it is it the the faux lawyer or is it the real person so um, without you know without being too cheesy about it I think that the advantage of the client is they understand who they're dealing with not some masked marvel who's you know got a different face on today but somebody who's true to who they are if you ride on the road you can do time trialing you can do a thing called criteriums or crits. So crits tend to be city centre racing. So when you see, and the the first racing will be starting next month on the um, city centre racing, so around Bath or Bristol or whatever, Um, those are our races going around a city centre as fast as you can basically. And they are, you know, pretty hair raising type races. So there's crits, um, there's stage races. So you might have a, a race where, like the Tour de France is over three weeks. We don't have a three week stage race over here, we might have a five-day race, right? a four-day race. Um, some people are drawn to the track, and there's huge amounts of disciplines on the track, so sprint, pursuiting, points racing. Um, the difficulty living in Devon, of course, is our closest track is Newport. Right. So it's a two-hour trip, well, it's a four-hour round trip, isn't it? Because um, yeah. that's the other thing in this country, which is a real challenge, is you don't have road closures for racing, So what you have is either for the bigger races, like the Tour of Britain, a a rolling road closure, so they've got motorbike outriders and and cars going ahead to close the road, or the majority of races I go to with my daughter is uh, motorbike outriders, uh, front and back and a, a few cars behind, but they are having to mix it with the cars on the road. You hear this expression, trusted advisor, and yeah. I think people are more likely to trust you if they believe that what you're saying comes from the heart, that you're actually true to being who you are. Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying this is for everybody. There'll be some people who are very uncomfortable showing up as who they truly are. They're quite comfortable. It's a bit like wearing a white coat as a doctor. Some people like the stethoscope and the white coat because it gives them a degree of protection. Right. But you know, the best doctors are the ones I think who bring their true okay. self, their whole self to the to the role, and not just pass. You know, they park half of it at the door. Um, you know, you hear this every year with Gallup survey after Gallup survey, where people saying they're disengaged at work. You know, yeah. the, and, and there's active disengagement or passive disengagement. And, and you know, I think if you're going to if you're going to enjoy your work, and we're all going to be working a lot longer, we all know that mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, to think that every day you come to work you've got to leave half of yourself at the front door and go okay i'll just leave that half there because i can't really bring that into the workplace because nobody wants to hear that part of it well you've got a whole range of people so you'll have people who've been in the club pretty much all their life so you've got people in their 70s and 80s who are still riding um, and you know they, the way clubs work is that they try to stream the riders from a to e let's say so that the A group goes out and thrashes themselves to death for three and a half, four hours. And they're probably elite riders or close to it. And then the group at the bottom, we'd call them a social group. So they're going to go out maybe for a couple of hours, have a stop for coffee. And it is very much a social thing. It's not about how fast we go. And and in between there, then you'll pick a group depending on what your average speed is. And I'll say, if you go with the C group, the average speed will be 15 miles an hour. Um, and you just, I mean, you find your own group because in essence, you know, you, you, know, your level, which is, which is a great way. And the club itself has grown significantly. And it's got, I don't know if you go there on a Sunday when the club rides, you've probably got an average of between 60 and 70 people turning up.
0: And if people want to sort of get
1: into it, what are they, how do they find out more? Just, I would just go and look for Mid Devon Cycling Club MDCC on the website and they'll see it's a very good website that the the club supports um, different levels of riders, there's different events going on which will be either sponsored by the club or they'll be just open events, there'll be a club secretary there that they can email if they're not sure what to do. Um, yeah, it's it's you know it's a well-run club yeah to be perfectly honest. i mean yeah there are other clubs around um probably not as big though because they haven't been in existence for so long so even if you don't live over that way you know there will be a club in your area which yeah. you can just go and find and they're all run along similar lines yeah. uh, you know uh, because that's the way they grow their membership and there's quite a lot of kudos in terms of your club kit and you know, buying all that stuff is a bit, you know. The old lycra stuff. Yes, yeah, all that, yeah, you know, because people like to be part of a tribe, don't they? And yeah. Um, so that
0: lycra thing is a bit weird, isn't it? Where do they turn to sort of find out more? Are there sort of resources available or? Um,
1: It's a bit patchwork, I have to say. I mean, my, my entry into it was reading a book by a guy called Stephen Keeber, who was a, an editor or an associate editor of the American Bar Association. He wrote a book called Transforming Legal Practice. So many of the, the associations. As there was an association of holistic lawyers have, have started, and then for whatever reason haven't continued. So, I mean, my my uh, resource comes from Kim Wright mainly. She has a website. Um, she, she, she goes under J Kim Wright, and she's got a lot of material there. Um, but there's quite a lot of research done in the states, so there's quite a lot of articles out there. So if you if you Google something like integrative law, or contemplative lawyer, there's quite a lot of material out there. But it's it's pretty patchwork, and that's why I'm quite keen to do something about it to try b- to bring all that together. Uh, it, it, you know, so people have got, as you say, a resource or a, a destination point. Do You feel like you're on a road to nowhere, or are you sort of seeing people understanding? <laughs> um, I could be, I could, I could be barking mad, frankly, um, because there is a group of people in the UK who I've, I've linked up with a few of them. Some are not in practice anymore, some are, but there isn't, I wouldn't describe it as a groundswell yet. Um, I think it's up to, to me, that, I hope that doesn't sound, come out wrong, you know, it's up to me and others to, to make a case for it, if you like, which is what I would like to do. So whether that's events uh, or going into firms and talking to them about it, Um, something has to change my my own personal view and I may not be around to see that something has to to change within law and other professional services and other businesses because um, we need less stuff in the world we'll need less stuff so the thing is you know at some stage we've got to make use of all these people who've been trained to do something
0: What about all this sort of stuff that people bang on about all the time this sort of uh, enhance, you know, drug enhancement and, and uh, the controversy that surrounds that, you know, all the way from, you know, the, the Tour, Tour de France and all the way through? I mean, what's the, what's the story there, and, and how's that affecting? Does it affect the local I, I, club? I,
1: I think I think cycling does itself no favors at all because it never seems to be out of the press. That's the problem. So I think elite level cycling, I think and it's perfectly understandable I think the general public would, would would probably expect everybody to be on drugs and you know it doesn't matter what is said I think it's very difficult to dispel that idea because there's been so many scandals around it I mean I, I can only say from my own experience that you know um, yeah, sure. At the elite level, I'm sure, uh, people are tempted. But for m- for most domestic cyclists, they don't have the money. I mean, that's the reality. I'm not saying any anybody is doping, but that's the reality. Is they simply cannot afford yeah. some of these drugs. And sure. there are, there are cultures around Europe where people essentially have no choice. That's the other thing. I mean, right. without naming those. Yeah places um, yeah. it's just it's just a, a unfortunate thing that you know c- cycling from as early as I can remember they took performance enhancing substance whether it was brandy whether they were smoking at one stage they thought smoking was an enhancer okay and as I say to people you, know, you try riding a three-week stage race and that don't tell me that certainly after week one of crashes and diarrhea and whatever other bug you've picked up you don't feel completely wasted no yeah. you've still got two weeks to go yeah. It's, yeah. a sh- it's a shame, isn't it, that brandy
0: and cigarettes aren't uh, uh, performance enhancing. Brilliant if they were. There's a parallel universe somewhere where actually it is a performance enhancing combination. <laughs> Do you remember that time when like somebody was like running behind you with their hand on your back and you were like wobbling around? No, no, you don't remember no, that. No, no, I don't no, remember you, that. You proved my theory wrong then. Because <laughs> So back on the old bike, back on the road. Yeah, well that was interesting. Integrative law, you know, it's, it's a whole uh, new area, but actually it's kind of, it's just asking those questions that somehow seem, obvious but for some some reason they're sort of hard to ask you know what am i why am i doing the work that i'm doing what am i getting out of it what's motivating me and how am i sort of making the world a better place i think a lot of people as they commute to work and stare out the window i think a lot of people think like that they ask themselves those questions But then, when they walk through the door of their office, or pick up the phone, or speak to their colleagues, they all start to behave in a a way that they feel that they need to behave to fit in. And those questions melt away until the evening commute, and they sit back and stare out the window again. But, uh, You know, Julian's out there, blazing a trail, linking up with people, like-minded people. And uh, that's all you can do. That crash, brakes don't seem to work very well. I need to just slow down a bit. Oh my lord. That was a How production for Sound Art Radio. For more details, please visit soundartradio.org.uk I am the Howe.co.uk And if you want to find out more about Julian and what he offers by way of coaching and, and speaking and also his role and thoughts in the whole developing area of integrative law, uh, best channel is Twitter. And that's at J-U-Summerhays, S-U-M-M-E-R-H-A-Y-E-S. Or just visit his website, which is juliansummerhays.com. And if it's cycling, you want to find out about Best Place is their website. That's the Mid-Devon Cycle Club. Uh, They can be found at mdcc.org.uk. Thanks for listening.